It was the best of times. It was the blast of times. What would five dozen eggs look like if you put that into a protein shake? Kinda feels like a cash grab. I'm not an expert, but I'm annoyed. Bonjour back, that's customary. <laughs> bonjour. 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 Comment ça va? Mm, oui. Bien. <laughs> uh, bon. Mal. Pas mal. Yeah. I learned it in the Francais. In the Francais <laughs> class. Someone told me if I'm just doing just fine, say bof, pas mal. Listeners, if you're French, please tell me if I'm wrong. <laughs> I did French in school up until the ninth grade uh, because I'm Canadian and that's what we do and it's given me the ability to read road signs and menus in Quebec and that is it (laughs) (laughs) and then you'll go to Quebec and speak French to them and they'll be like ugh yeah you try hard I'm not even a try hard I like the end of that sentence comment ça va that's all I've got I only know how to say I'm good in response to that. If someone gave me a real answer, I'd be lost. That's the thing. They only tell you, like, in my French class, they were like, uh, the the bag is behind the desk in my small green room in the countryside, which is flat. I live in the house. It is a small-sized house. There are two cats, one who is lazy, One who is smart. (laughs) I've been doing um, German on Duolingo recently because Mm -hmm. I learned German in undergrad for about two years. And I was, like, pretty conversational when I was traveling around Germany for a bit. Yeah. But I wasn't having any in-depth conversations with people. And then we went to stay with some friends of the person that I was backpacking with. Um, And we were having, like, actual conversations about politics and... I was so lost. Mm. Uh, And German Duolingo, which I'm using to, like, keep brushing up, keeps just giving me, like, Twilight Zone phrases to learn. (laughs) The The owl has become dark. (laughs) Yeah, the the other day, the Duolingo owl asked me to translate a phrase that translated to, I have a knife. (laughs) (laughs) You never know. I also you might get in this into a scrape next time you're in a German-speaking country <laughs> and need to defend yourself. <laughs> the other is day... that Ich habe einen stab stab? <laughs> yes. Cool. You're you're genius. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and the like the other day I also had the cat gives the woman a skirt. Why? Listeners, check out our episode, The Cat in the Hat. <laughs> yeah, that would happen. Yeah, it's true. They take the skirt away from the woman. Yeah. Listen to that episode. That's a weird thing to teach you. And this seems to be the seems to be the case with, with Duolingo. Mm-hmm. Um, I was learning... I was refreshing my knowledge of Norwegian mm-hmm. before going to Denmark, which sounds contradictory, but it's basically the same language. I'm not wrong. It's basically the same language. So I was just using Duolingo in November last mm-hmm. year, if you remember. 
And I just got stuck on it because I think it glitched because it was teaching me animals and food at the same time. And it kept on telling me what the crab would and wouldn't eat. And I didn't necessarily believe it. Like it said, the crab does not eat the hot dog. Yeah, okay. The crab doesn't eat the hot dog. I get that. The crab would like to eat the horse. No, it wouldn't. No crabs that I know personally. I've never heard a crab say, could numb on a horse right now. I've never heard a crab say anything. Well. Maybe I'm just not listening, you know? The thing is, the crab's going to only speak Norwegian. Mm. So you need to know Norwegian. That's You might why. start being able to pick up on it because Norwegian is a Germanic language, so. Right. So then the crabs can tell me their secrets. Yeah. <laughs> so I've just pulled up the some screenshots I've taken of my German Duolingo. Um, ich habe ein Messer is I have a knife. Um, the cat is giving a woman a skirt, but also she is making a drink from beans. <laughs> <laughs> Why is she doing that? Why is she, she okay? That? Is this the same woman who the cat has just given a skirt to? I worry about her. I worry about her. Is she being held off? Is she a witch? Maybe. Is she the one who has a knife? Is someone threatening the woman making the bean drink? I, I just... <laughs> <laughs> Stories are unfolding. Yes, this is very concerning. Does the Duolingo owl know of a woman being held captive <laughs> by a cat being forced to drink beans? And wear skirts. Not too far off from the plot from Beauty and the Beast, don't you think? <laughs> <laughs> um... <laughs> Your segues are works of art. Thank you. <laughs> we watched Beauty and the Beast two times, my friends. <laughs> two times. If you're wondering what got us into this mood, it's wine and the fact that we watched Beauty and the Beast two times. Yeah, right. One after the other. And I don't... I don't know if that was meant to happen. No, I'm not too sure if it should. And we didn't, just to be clear, watch the animated one twice over. We watched the animated Disney Beauty and the Beast and also the more recent live-action version starring Emma Watson yes. and Dan Stevens and Josh Gad, Olaf from Frozen, the snowman. <laughs> That's what he was billed as in the movie. <laughs> Josh Gad as LeFou. Also, Olaf from Frozen, the snowman. Josh Gad. <laughs> as Olaf. As LaFou. <laughs> Disney's first gay. <laughs> For those of you who aren't familiar, there was a lot of uh, marketing hype around the live action movie where Disney said, Behold, this movie will have our first exclusively gay moment. And I don't know why the word exclusively was in there, but it definitely was. Yeah, this this movie happened way after The Lion King. Yeah. Where there's two animals who are gay and married. Yeah. So. And way after Lilo and Stitch with the two gay aliens. Yeah, they are. Um, so I don't know what they're on about. Yes. But Olaf <laughs> is the one who is gay. Yes. Theoretically. Yeah, theoretically. He's not, like, I wouldn't say he's gayer than the animated LeFou. Yeah. 
He looks less like a boiled testicle. <laughs> Am I wrong? <laughs> You're not wrong. <laughs> um, um, <laughs> this just in, Josh Gad looks better than 90s animation. Yeah. <laughs> Is it 90s? Is it 80s? I think it was early 90s, but I might be wrong. We did our research for that. Or this. late 80s. 1991. That was right at my fingertips. 1991. Yes. Before I was born. Before me too. Samesies. So yeah, we watched the 1991 animated classic Beauty and the Beast that some people really nut for. Yeah, I don't think... I, I didn't dislike this one, but it wasn't one of my go-tos as a kid. No. I saw yeah. it more than once, but not, like, incessantly, you know? No, I mean, yeah, I, I, I watched this a couple times as a kid. It wasn't one of my favourites. The animation kind of bugged me. Um, and I thought if I wanted to watch a princess movie on video mm. as a child, and I had to choose between this and Anastasia, if Anastasia was in my room, I was always going to watch Anastasia over and over and over. That's fair. I was a fan of the... For princess movies, I was a fan of The Little Mermaid. Um, mm-hmm, I didn't. Good. I didn't vibe with a lot of the princess movies. I was very big into The Rescuers and Lilo and Stitch and, like, that sort of mm, movie. I enjoyed Robin Hood. I liked Robin Hood a lot. Hercules I liked. Yeah, for me, Beauty and the Beast was always just there, but I know a lot of people who love Beauty and the Beast, and in particular, Mm -hmm. they love Belle. Yeah. For being, like, a bookish character. Yeah. I think that's why they like it. I don't know. I mean, I was a bookish kid, and I never really vibed with Belle. Mm Mm-hmm. I always wanted to do that thing where she's in the library, and the, um... The ladder is on wheels and she, like, glides across. I always thought that would be sick. Yeah. Uh, But I've been to libraries and bookshops since that have those ladders and they don't have wheels. Like at Toppings. I've been out the ladders before. Mm -hmm. I haven't been able to skid. Yeah. Our local bookshop, Toppings, which... Support your local bookshop. Yeah. Like Belle does. (laughs) Yeah. She goes to the bookshop. It's the first thing she does. She supports her local bookshop. And I respect that. Mm Mm-hmm. The whole first song wouldn't happen if she was ordering books on Amazon. Yeah, exactly. And this is, if this isn't the case you needed against Amazon, <laughs> then no one can help save you, my friend. Slave of Bezos. What? You sh- we shouldn't be on Amazon, Shannon. We shouldn't have ordered that doorbell from Amazon. We needed a doorbell. That's true. We could have got one from our local bookshop, though, like Belle. <laughs> we could have invented one, like Belle in the live action. The live action movie! <laughs> is one of us for context is one of a suite of Disney live action basically like cover songs of their own <laughs> previous <laughs> yeah. like a shitty acoustic <laughs> EP of covers yeah uh, they're doing you know more about this to, to save their butts because of copyright reasons yeah so Disney Disney's copyright on some of their um, more famous properties is is beginning to run out um, and Disney's been kind of instrumental in fucking up copyright law in the States for ages. Mm-hmm. Like, extending and extending how long copyright lasts. 
which is not good because it means like whole suites of things have not gone into public domain in years, which makes it really hard to make new versions of stuff. And Disney can be pretty litigious about like if people are remaking Cinderella or whatever, even if they're adapting a, a folk tale from yeah. the Brothers Grimm that wasn't even written by the Brothers Grimm, it was just written down by them, like these old, old folk tales. Um, Disney will be, like, on their ass trying to find a similarity to their own version because they want to have the definitive version, which is crazy. Right. Yeah, that is crazy. You take something like Cinderella, which is has similar tale types all over the world. It's not even just the Charles Perrault version that Disney based their fairy tale on. There's there's dozens and dozens of versions of Cinderella, but they kind of want to have the cornered the market on interpretations of tales they didn't write. Um, so they're making all these live action ones to almost like boost their copyright and be like, look, we made another one in 2018 or whatever. Yeah. Um, and I think it's sleazy. I also think it's kind of weird because like there are some older Disney's that surely they're times more of the essence for them to redo the copyright on them, right? Like mm-hmm. Snow White mm-hmm. and uh, okay, Sleeping Beauty. They have Maleficent. Yeah. So that's that's it. That's fine. I don't. I'm 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 okay with Maleficent because that's like a a wicked style retelling. Mm-hmm. Um, but Beauty and the Beast was not done that long ago. No, 1991. So it also kind of feels like a cash grab. I know I sounded like John Ralphio from Parks and Rec there. You did. Uh, no regrets. <laughs> <laughs> They're doing a cash grab. It is a cash grab, but even for the stuff that's not boosting copyright, it is a, just a cash grab. Yeah. Especially because they're, like, clearly adapting their own movie rather than being like, okay, we're, we've gone back to some classic Beauty and the Beast style tales and are making a new one. Yeah. They're just redoing their own version of the story. And it's, it's in the case of Beauty and the Beast, it's blow by blow the same in some parts. Yeah. They haven't changed anything, they've just added bits. Yeah. Which is interesting, whereas I'm not going to get into it, because this is a story for another time, or maybe never. I think they did change some stuff with Cinderella. I haven't seen the the live-action Cinderella, so I feel like this is a story for another episode. But I think that they maybe thought that there needed to be something to be changed in Cinderella. Yeah. Because it's outdated and potentially unfeminist. Ooh. Beauty and the Beast, the classic story of... Of kidnapping. (laughs) (laughs) Falling in love with your captor. Yep. Uh, so they didn't change anything. They just added stuff. Yeah, they. There's a couple things they added that I thought were, were really valid. And I mean, we talked about this at the time. It seems like Belle spends longer at the castle in the live action version. Yes. Even if it's in actual time, the same amount. The way, it's shot in the live action version. It seems like Belle has time to get to know the Beast. They actually have fairly long discussions that are reasonably engaging. Yeah. Whereas in the cartoon version, she goes from real angry to, oh, it's snowing outside, how cute, 
to ballroom scene. Yeah, it, it's so <laughs> rapid. Mm-hmm. Um, but we get a little bit more time for them to... And, and the live-action one does go out of its way to show that they do have things in common. Yes. Um, like, he also likes to read. They can talk about books that they like together. They share things, like, mutual hobbies and things like that. And it's more it's more obvious that they're, that they're uh, flirting. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So maybe we're putting the horse before the cart here. We have not explained the plot. <laughs> Do you not know the plot to Beauty and the Beast, dear listener? <laughs> if you don't... Hear it be. <laughs> there once was a witch who was awful. <laughs> Just awful. Sorry, I've gone into the synopsis with biases. <laughs> the witch has no rights. Um, this witch is terrible. There's a witch who is disguised as a little old lady, knocks on the door of a castle, and the prince turns her away. Um, and then she asks again for help, and he turns her away again. And then she turns into a beautiful enchantress in that exact tone of voice. <laughs> and then curses the the beast, the prince who is the beast. Spoilers. Um. <laughs> <laughs> Spoilers for the thing that you're immediately going to reveal. Yeah. Um, she curses him to turn into a beast and if he doesn't find someone to who he loves and who loves him in return by the time the last petal falls off of an enchanted rose then he'll be a beast forever but here's the kicker folks yep it's not just the prince that she curses even though the prince is the only one who does anything to help her or does anything to her which is just kind of like looks smug yeah, and like, Ugh, old ladies. Like he 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 spurns an old witch, which is you know what gets you cursed in a fairy tale. But she curses every single person in the household. Yes, all of the servants. So many, and the servants' children. <laughs> yes, and they become pieces of furniture, pieces of uh, like crockery decoration in the household. And each time a petal drops, they become more stiff and become more like that thing. And they know that when the last petal drops, their humanity is fucking gone. The beast is st- will still be alive, but just an animal, right? Yeah. The furniture, they are just... Cogsworth just becomes a clock. Yeah. He is a clock. Does his brain go? Or is he just petrified in place, knowing that he's... Which is worse. Yeah, it's not... In... This is, we're jumping ahead a little bit, but in the, the f- sort of climax of the live action version, it looks like they have failed to break the curse, and there's a protracted sequence where all of the furniture servants turn into inanimate objects. And it really is just like watching them all die. It's horrible. Even the dog. <laughs> Even the dog who's like a piano footstool. Like flips up and turns upside down and just free. We see Chip. Like he's a goldfish. Yeah. We see Chip, a child who is a cup. A child die. Yeah. Disney. Yeah. And we linger on him. We linger on his corpse. <laughs> on his porcelain corpse. Because <laughs> they all just like decay into furniture. It's bizarre. Yeah. 
the witch is fucked up for thinking of that. For thinking of that. Yeah. I wouldn't wish that on my worst enemy. Yeah, it's... Uh, it's... I'm just, no, I'm just trying to think who is my worst enemy. I wouldn't wish it on my worst enemy. <laughs> I personally don't have the enemies who are that bad. Yeah. In the grand scheme of things. Maybe Donald Trump is the enemy. <laughs> but this is not a question about this. This is just people about who ain't... Yeah, people who you know personally, would you turn anyone into a candlestick? No, especially not that, because that's the cruelest one of all. Does he keep... Lumiere is a candlestick, so does he keep on having to replace his face? Because the upper part of his face in the cartoon is the candle. Yeah. And he's constantly lit up, like he he, he can make fire happen. Mm-hmm. He firebends. Yeah. But his own face. So does he have to keep on replacing the candle that is his face? I think yes, because in the live action version, and this gets to something that is a problem for me with the live action version, Lumiere is animated differently, and his face is in the candlestick holder. Less painful that way. Less painful, and it seems like he would have to replace the candles. We never see Lumiere burn down in the animated version where his face is on the actual wax Mm -hmm. of the candle, but you gotta assume it would. Yeah. And does that cause him pain? Do they feel pain? Do they have nerve endings? Witch! (laughs) Knowing the witch, yes, they probably do have nerve endings. The witch has a lot to answer for. And so do the animators. Because this is... I would like to talk about the furniture people right right at this moment. They look bad in the live-action version. Because they're obviously not live-action candlesticks. They're still CG creations and they everything in the set and in the characters is way too ornate Mm. so the candlestick um, mrs potts who is a teapot chip who is a porcelain cup cogsworth who is a clock they all have way too many detailed intricate little parts so their faces don't really pop they don't have big eyes they don't have big mouths it's hard to read expressions on them mm-hmm. whereas in the animated versions they're incredibly expressive they're more they're way more plastic seeming yeah which works for those <laughs> characters it works when you're going to have a candlestick singing a song yes um they're not meant to be like uncanny haunted mansion candlesticks like he he has significant role in the story and he's hard to pick out from the background yeah because everything's poorly lit in that castle in the live action ones yeah just to make it look quote-unquote real um it ends up just looking bad and i think it does a disservice to all of the servant characters because you can't see expressions on their faces because they're not animated to stand out from the background yeah yeah they do look weird i've got problems with the like with the cartoon animation but that doesn't apply to those characters i mm-hmm. think the the goofy cartoonishness works with the furniture mm-hmm. i think my issues <clears throat> are either glitchy background characters mm-hmm. weird background motion and I don't know. I feel like even the main characters pull some weird expressions. That's just distracting. <laughs> that like not being picky now as an adult. Like I just remember it bothering me as a kid. Right. Like 
I would watch and be like, note to self, never make that face. You know? <laughs> the wind might change. Yeah. My face will stay like that. <laughs> and that would be something Belle would do. Yeah. Belle. Yeah. Whose name is Belle. Beautiful. <laughs> so that's the big, that's the opening plot. And I feel, yeah, this is good. We've aired our grievances on various animation topics and also other witch. Yeah. Who I think is the main antagonist, but the movie never frames her as the antagonist. And we never see her again. She's not in the ending. She's not in the cartoon one, but the live action one, they've beefed apart. Like a little. A little. Agatha. Agatha the village hag. Hagatha. (laughs) They should have just called her that. Someone should have called her that as a joke. (laughs) You know, I'm uh, going to um, cast myself as an idiot French villager. And you're going to get this whole flat cursed. And I'm going to be like, Hagatha. And then I'm going to turn into a potted plant. Because <laughs> you insulted a witch. No. I- and oh, she right. believes that everyone in a house is culpable for the <laughs> sins of one person in that house. Yeah, you'll get the worst deal. I'll just get turned into some animal. So which you- I can live with and you'll just be like... <gasps> If you had to be, just to plan ahead, Shannon. Yeah. If you had to be a piece of furniture, which piece of furniture would you be? Um, I think I'd be a lamp. Mm-hmm. Because I wouldn't be, like, sat on or used to, like, fry stuff or whatever, like a, like a kitchen implement, you and know? listen, Shannon, if this does happen, I won't use you <laughs> in a way you don't want to be used. <laughs> I get turned into a beast for saying Hagatha. Folks, if you've got some mouthy flatmates who are going to piss off a witch, <laughs> be aware <laughs> that you could be in real trouble. I would want to be the keyboard. Because, <laughs> because in the live action one, one of the main characters is uh, is the harpsichord. Yeah. And he sometimes shoots the keys out of his, uh, the keys, and they're his teeth. And then when he becomes a human again, he's missing those teeth. Now, I don't want to lose my teeth, but Mm -hmm. I just think it would be fun to be the keyboard. Mm -hmm. Uh, Because I could play some funky beats. Yeah. That's a good good choice. But hopefully this won't happen. But we've just spent the last, what, five minutes trashing witches? Yeah, we might be in trouble. I say, screw them. (laughs) They want to come in here. Transform them into shit. Screw them. Bring it on. Bring it on, witches. This house is... We're protected against vampires. We can protect ourselves against witches. Absolutely we can. So that's the first bit of the plot. (laughs) Then we meet Vel. Little town. It's a quiet village. Full of people who have low IQ. (laughs) I like books. And they don't read books. This is also France. Bonjour! Bonjour! <laughs> they're, they're the lyrics to the song. Bonjour is like the only word spoken in French. <laughs> in this movie set in France. Yeah, and not all the characters can even understand <laughs> French. They should get on Duolingo for their own language. There's a bit, a bit very near the beginning of, of the song Bonjour, the very first song, where... Uh, LeFou says to Gaston that I think it's Belle has a certain je ne sais quoi and Gaston goes I don't know what that means 
And I know that it's supposed to be a joke on what je ne sais quoi means, but they're in France! Gaston, this is your home country. This is your- Do you not know the language? What language are you speaking to Lafu in? (laughs) English? That doesn't make sense. (laughs) (laughs) Gaston is a very- Now, listen, I'm not the one, I shouldn't be the one- to be like, your name is French. Why don't you know how to speak French? I'm Elise Galois. <laughs> and as we know, I don't speak very good French. Yeah. I'm not a French person. I'm not French-Canadian. I'm not Francophone. Mm-hmm. So who am I to judge Gaston, <laughs> whose surname is actually fairly similar to mine? We'd be sat next to each other in, a cl- in class. Yeah. You know, boy, girl, boy, girl. Plus similar surnames. I'd be sat next to Gaston. Gaston Galois? Yeah, I'd be sat next to him. That's true. Is is Gaston his surname? What's his first name? Oh! <laughs> Do you think his his first name is Gaston and I think his surname is Gaston? Yeah! Maybe it's both. He's just called Gaston Gaston. This reminds me of the conversation that we had earlier in the week, though, where I thought on fleek... <laughs> Spell E N F L I Q U E instead of O N F L E E K, which it is. This might be another one of those situations. So you're probably correct that his first name is Gaston. Um, I'm looking him up. This can't be right. What did you find? Gaston legume. Gaston vegetable. Where did you find that? Uh, I'm on Wikipedia. Gaston Legume. <laughs> okay, I wouldn't be sat next to him in class. Yeah, because Gaston is his first name. <laughs> I thought he was Mr. Gaston. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why I thought that. <laughs> why am I so wrong about France? I love the country. Why yeah. am I so wrong? I've... I spent a weekend in France once. I was traveling through it. That's my, that's the entirety of my relationship with France. I also spent a weekend in Quebec. It's all the full emergence French I've had in my life is about six days total. I have been in France quite a few times, but only because it's easy to drive there from my home. I took a train through it from Germany to London, but I spent a weekend in Paris. In Paris, I tried to speak French to people, but they, they would always speak English back. So I didn't get much practice. I'd be like, mm, Bonjour, je voudrais une baguette poulet, s'il vous plaît. Do you want mayonnaise with that chicken sandwich? <laughs> yeah, we. Oui. Um, the Merci. person I was backpacking with when we were in Paris um, did a minor in French at university, but in Canada, which is like a Quebecois French accent, um, oui. and that really, that really messed with people's heads in Paris. <laughs> they just didn't know how to respond to her. <laughs> I had a hard time understanding anyone in Quebec because I was listening out for the French that I was taught at school which is not Quebecois French and I was like what are you saying so I think this is the opposite experience that we've had yeah it's very different like people in Paris could understand my friend but I think it was like the equivalent of an incredibly thick accent (laughs) when I was in Paris I went to see the catacombs Mm mm-hmm that was very fun. There's lots of good skulls. Mm. Um, when I was in the catacombs, w- we were behind 
a family with with two young children who are just hyped to be amongst the skulls. <laughs> and there was a little boy who was maybe four or five years old and he was like walking very seriously and like looking at all the skulls and then after walking for a, about a half a kilometer if for those of you who are not familiar the Paris catacombs are just wall-to-wall skulls just staring at you mm-hmm. this is how we do in Europe um it's just stacked on stacked. Um, so he'd walked past hundreds of skulls at this point, and then he just, like, stopped dead and turned to look at the wall and pointed at a skull at eye level with him, and he said, that bone, that's a scary bone. <laughs> <laughs> and I don't think anyone will ever be as funny as that child. <laughs> <laughs> One time when I was in Paris on a school trip, you know those worms? <laughs> Shannon, do you know those worms you can get? Those, like, fuzzy worms on strings like, with the invisible string? You know like, the worms? Like the worms? The worms the worms that I have in my room? Yes, the worms that I'm obsessed with. Because you brought me a worm from yeah. the Museum of Childhood? You know those fuzzy worms that you can get as toys? Yeah. <laughs> One of my most distinct memories from Paris was getting to the top of the Eiffel Tower and just feeling compelled to take my worm out of my pocket and drop it <laughs> from the Eiffel <laughs> Like, I was up there, and I'm not afraid of heights, but I was just chilling, you know, and a lot of my classmates were like, oh, I'm so scared, oh, the heights. And I was like, okay, I've had two cursed experiences on top of the Eiffel Tower. My first cursed experience on top of the Eiffel Tower was when I was like, Oh, gosh, five or six. Mm. And I was wearing... I remember this because it's a picture of me, but also I remember it because it hurt me. I was wearing a a, a navy Mm t-shirt and some shorts that were sort of like a bluey brown tartan Mm -hmm. and a cap. Mm -hmm. And I wasn't looking cute. I was looking cute. I was looking like a little rough and tumble, uh, little bratty tot, you know? Yeah. Uh, but I wasn't looking like, ooh, bonjour, I'm a, I'm a Parisian child, I'm uh, sophisticated. I wasn't looking like that, I was looking a bit scruff, mm-hmm. preparing for my present form, yeah. you know, mm-hmm. your vibe. And I remember this kid pointed to me, looked at her parent and said, that girl's shorts are ugly. <laughs> And I think this is why I feel compelled to do evil when I'm on the Eiffel Tower. So the next time I was on the Eiffel Tower, I was just like stood there um, admiring the view of Paris. And then a voice in my head said, take the worm out of your pocket. <laughs> Drop the worm. So I did. And then my teacher gathered us all over and was like, this is the Eiffel Tower, blah, 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 blah. Did you know... Um, because the way velocity works, if you dropped a pencil from the top of the Eiffel Tower and it landed on someone's head below, it might split their skull open because of the velocity. And I was like, what have I done? (laughs) (laughs) As though a worm (laughs) is going to have the same physical properties of a dropped pencil. (laughs) And I was like, and the whole, the rest of the trip, I was like, I may have killed. (laughs) may have killed someone and the body was cleaned up before you got down from the tower. <laughs> it was embarrassing to be killed by a worm. <laughs> by one of those fuzzy worms. 
That's my. Now you know my history with the worm. <laughs> I have a. Oh, I have a murder weapon then hanging in my room. Yep. A worm on a string that purchased you, you from the idea, the um, the museum of childhood that you brought to me as a token of friendship. This murder weapon. Just don't. Wait, it's fine as long as you don't drop it from a height. <laughs> don't go to like. Don't take it back to Canada, and drop it from the CN Tower. <laughs> okay, that's all I'm saying. <laughs> you could do a Toronto murder. <laughs> don't go to Seattle. And drop it off of the space needle. <laughs> you might kill Fraser. <laughs> <laughs> um, Beauty and the Beast. <laughs> Belle. <laughs> Belle is so smart, guys. She's... She reads books. <laughs> She reads books and in the live action version she's an inventor, but neither of those things ever become important or useful to her plot in any way. Yeah, Gaston has a hearts for her, wants to woo her and marry her. He plans to woo and marry Belle. Yeah. That's a lyric. And he tries to su- suggest that they get married in a very forceful, brutish way because he's just a muscle man. Yeah. A muscle man who's an idiot. <laughs> and uh, she's like, Ugh, Gus, John. No thank you, sir. Which comes right after Bonjour. Her little reprise includes the lyrics, I want adventure in the great wide somewhere. I want it more than I can tell. Well, she doesn't get it, does she? No. She marries a beast and lives in a castle. That's not adventure. The castle is less than a day's ride from where she grew up. (laughs) It's incredibly local. Yeah. In the live action one, it's implied that many of the servants who'd been turned into furniture lived and had family in the town but the family's minds were the memories were erased by the witch which who is, is the villain fucked up it's fucked up it's fucked up guys but yeah the, the castle is close enough that it's commuter distance <laughs> <laughs> yeah give it a century or so there'll be a tram yeah <laughs> and she just stays there why do you have that song in there if that's not what she's going to get? It's like if you had part of your world in Little Mermaid and then she just stays underwater for the whole movie. Why would that song be there? She should be like, I want a library with lots of nice books. I want a husband who is hairy. <laughs> then she'd get it. Yeah. Be like, be yes. like nicely foreshadowed. You've achieved your goals, Belle. <laughs> uh, Belle's father is an inventor. He's a cookie sort, Maurice. Yeah. And he is going off to do some business elsewhere out of town and promises Belle that he'll bring back a rose for her. I think that's just in the live action version. Does he have any reason for going off in the cartoon one? He has a reason for going off, but he doesn't promise her the rose. Ah, okay. Yeah. Maurice is so dumb. Yeah. (laughs) He goes to... He gets, I think, diverted from his track by some wolves and ends up at the castle. Yeah. Invites himself... Waltzes into the castle being like, Hello, is anyone in? Well, I can't hear anyone, so I'm coming in. Um, does anyone mind if I sit by this fire? Well, I haven't heard anything, so I'm going to do that. And in the live-action one, the furniture's like, 
pointing him towards the the, the dining room where he just starts eating the beast's food. Mm-hmm. He's like a real speedy Goldilocks. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he is. Um, and then the, the beast shows up and gets enraged, as a beast does, mm-hmm. I guess, and throws him in prison in the tower. Uh, but when the... When the wolves attacked Maurice and diverted him, the horse ran away, and the horse eventually makes it back to the village. And it's one of those classic, what is it, what is it, Philippe? (laughs) My father? He's trapped in a well. (laughs) Uh, Belle can speak horse, so so knows what's happened, and goes to the castle. And gets on the horse who hasn't had a break in days. Yeah, he's in. He's like trying to take a drink, and she's like, "Nah, Philippe, it's, t- it's off time." They they go to the castle, find Belle's father, and find the beast. And Belle trades places with her father, basically, and becomes the beast's prisoner. Mm-hmm. Um. She is. She meets. And instantly befriends all the furniture. Yeah. Who are wise to the curse the beast is under to fall in love and have someone love him in return. And they're like, this is the one. Yeah, they're pushing. She's approximately the correct age and pretty. So (laughs) let's do this thing. Which is fair because they're being turned into furniture. Yes. Um, So the stakes are high for the servants in this castle. I would like to talk for a moment about the way the beast is animated. Go for it. Because this triggered me. (laughs) The beast in the cartoon version is animated very well. He's got big fangs and big snout and he's hairy and just kind of seems to not fit well into his human clothes. Like he looks like someone who's been turned into a monster. Mm -hmm. In the live action version, he... Looks like the animators were afraid to make him too scary. And instead they made him just uncanny. Because his face is just a human face. But the rest of his body is is beastly. So the face Mm -hmm. is kind of colored with the fur on his whole body. But he doesn't have like a snout or anything. He just has a human nose. It's a little like in cats. Yes, it is. It's exactly like that. And it's <laughs> creepy and weird. Like, give him some fangs and a snout and some big bushy eyebrows and like some, like a brow ridge or something. Yeah. Like, he doesn't look like a monster. It's just a flat human face on. A lion's mane. It looks super strange. Mm -hmm. And then when they put him in human clothes, he fits them fine. Whereas they just look like the wrong size on the animated one, which is correct. Yeah, and and the animated one sometimes walks around on all fours. Mm -hmm. Like that feels comfortable for him. But I don't think that would happen with the light with the anime. Sorry, with the with the live action one. Yeah, it's one of those things where I keep on getting confused because the, many of the things in the live action version are animated. Yeah, and I just take this point to complain about why do we say live action Lion King? <laughs> Everything in that is also is animated. animated. And like live action Jungle Book. No, it's not. <laughs> You're telling me there's one live action child. <laughs> You've got a real bear to play Baloo. A real bear. 
a real you trained big panther to play Bagheera. God, I love Bagheera. But the live a- the live actions of these movies, they ain't live action. At least Beating the Beast has human characters, so. Yeah, and it's like, I imagine the, the person playing the Beast is in some sort of, like, morph suit. I don't know for sure, mm. but it, he just, it, like, they, they haven't even given him any sort of, like, scarring or anything to suggest, like, he gr- suddenly grew claws and is like, has accidentally scratched himself or something. Like, yeah. any little details like that are just absent. And it, it just seems like they're... I don't know, all the animation in it seems very self-conscious. Like, I think this looks stupid, so we're going to try and make it look as real as possible instead of just leaning into how surreal it is to make it look beautiful, you know? Yeah. Yes. The Beast is also sort of lumbery mm. in the live-action one. Yeah. Whereas I think he should be... A functional beast. Yeah. Like, when he's fighting the wolves... Okay, so, uh... Some more plot. Um, Belle tries to escape early on, but then immediately gets attacked by wolves, and the beast comes out and saves her, but then he gets injured, and she saves him and brings him back to the castle. It's like a whole trust thing. Mm-hmm. And in the animated version, that's okay, because he's kind of, like, shaking him off like he's, like, a bigger wolf. Mm-hmm. But in the live-action one, it's basically, like, he's slapping them. He's like, <laughs> go away. You go away. You go away. You go away. <laughs> it doesn't work. No, it doesn't at all. He's just, like, a big, hairy man. Yeah. He's, like, a a hunchback Neanderthal. Yeah. Whereas... The beast in the cartoon version does feel like an animal. Mm-hmm. So. And, like, why? Why make that change? Why not? And, like, why do MCG? Why not do some prosthetics? Yeah. You know? So the... To to really transform the, the actor. And it's a shame, because I think the actor's doing a fine job. Yeah, I think he's all right. Uh, while we're on this point, I think why I heard a lot of complaints about, um, Belle, when, being Emma Watson as Belle, Mm. at the time. And I don't think, on the acting front, that's warranted. I think it's a shame that her songs are so auto-tuned. It's really obvious. And I don't know if that's because she's bad at singing or if they just wanted to, like, really perfect everything. Mm. I can't imagine she's a terrible singer, else they wouldn't have hired in the first place, right? You'd think. Unless they were like, Hermione's basically the same as Belle. (laughs) Let's have the same actress. What? I don't know. I don't know how much trust to expend to Disney. It's hard to say, really, but it is really obviously auto-tuned. Mm-hmm. I don't usually pick up on that, but from the first notes she sings, it's like, oh dear. <laughs> <laughs> St- like, Beat and the Beast, um, starring 2010 Kesha as Belle. Yeah. <laughs> Was it just a bizarre experience listening to her sing... It doesn't sound like her voice at all. No, and it's a shame because I think the acting is, as I've mentioned, like I think I do genuinely prefer the castle scenes with the with the 
with the Beast and Belle mm. in the live action version because they have development and they talk and I sort of buy into the romance a little bit more. Yeah. And I think that wouldn't work if Emma Watson was a bad actor. Yeah, I don't think she's a bad actor. I I, I don't think Belle as a character has a lot to work with. I mean, we mentioned she's nominally an inventor in the live action when she invents a little machine to do laundry for her early on but it never comes back no she has no arc she has no development none of her skills are useful she's just nice to the beast and that's it yep she doesn't have she doesn't change as a person at all she's supposed to be the protagonist but she has no plot She's just sort of buffeted by other characters. Yeah, and they try and give her more backstory in the live action one because there's a whole plot about how her father never te- never tells her about their old life in Paris when she was brought from Paris to the countryside as a kid. And the, the Beast has this book that the witch gave him to torment him. Okay. <laughs> Which is... A, a book which is a portal to other places. If you think about somewhere that you'd most likely to go, it will transport you there. But it's worthless for the beast because he'll get ostracized for being the beast. Mm-hmm. So he's like, Belle, I want to show you this book. I trust you now. I like you. Here's this holiday book. Where do you want to go? And she's like, I want to go to Paris because that's where I used to live. And when they're there, they find out that her mother has died from the bubonic plague. Which they find out because in their old house there's just a plague, Dr. Mask. Okay. (laughs) And I remember getting really annoyed watching this again. Because I also get annoyed when I'm out on my jog and I see someone's face mask just just drop on the floor. You must have seen this too, right? Yeah. Listen, leaving used PPE (laughs) around during the time of a pandemic is unprofessional and sloppy. It's the case of the coronavirus. It's the case of the bubonic plague. Why is this doctor leaving his mask in this person's head? He's like, oh, my work here is done. I'm going to go home now. Just going to leave this plague mask in this windmill. Take it home. (laughs) Sanitize it. Take it to your decontamination station. Spray it with (laughs) disinfectant. If you want to, leave it on timeout because viruses last for a few days mm-hmm. before they decay. Mm-hmm. Leave it in the sun because viruses decay in the sun. Come on. Be professional. This didn't bother me when I watched it, which was, what, 2016 or whatever. But we weren't in a pandemic then. We're in a pandemic now. We know. We know. We know better than to, <laughs> to leave plague doctor masks with their beaks stuffed with herbs. Ugh. Disgusting. Around Disgusting. in houses. I think, I'm just going to go on record to say I think the magic travel book is stupid because they don't do anything with it. And it's like, I guess, a gesture at the I want adventure in the great wide somewhere, but there's no callback to it at the end for us no. to be like, are they going to travel around? Is this the idea? Is he giving up his castle? Does the book disappear when the witch's curse is lifted? Like, we don't know. We don't know anything about it. So I think it's a, it's a failure. And it um, doesn't do anything to advance Belle's plot. It just gives us more context. Like, oh, her mother is not there because she died of the plague. And backstory is not the same as plot agency, really. Like, just telling us more about her is not the same as giving her some sort of arc where she learns or grows yeah. or develops. I don't care her, about her backstory. that She doesn't even remember because she's a baby. So how much 
of this is her father's backstory, not really hers. Yeah, yeah. It seems to be more about the father's guilt about not taking the wife with him. It it seems weird, and it doesn't work for... It doesn't help Belle. And we get a bit more Beast plotline, too. We see that his father was mean to him. Yeah. Ugh, we need more. I want more. <laughs> I want to see the Beast learn some things. <laughs> I'd rather be watching The Little Mermaid. <laughs> I, I did just... I think that's that's fundamentally the problem with Belle as a character is that she's supposedly clever and never gets to use that ever. Mm-hmm. She's supposedly a good inventor. She's... She likes to read. She's imaginative. All she gets to be is nice. That is the... She could be replaced by almost any other Disney princess and yeah. the plot would not change. Mm-hmm. So any of those things that make her an individual are meaningless to the story. So I don't think that's Emma Watson's fault. It's bad writing. It is bad writing. And I think she bore the brunt of a lot of the critique. Yeah. And and it's not a problem with the live the live action one could have done more to change it. Like, this is a fundamental problem with the cartoon. Yeah. And I think worse than the cartoon because we spend less time with those characters. Mm-hmm. Um, so those characters don't improve with time. I want to talk about Gaston. <laughs> I love live action Gaston. <laughs> He's played to perfection. <laughs> He's more insidious? Yeah, he is. He's... Some of his plot is slightly altered a little bit. Um... For the live action one, but I, I, I just think in general he's a lot more fun. Mm-hmm. And I thought he was a fun character in the cartoon one, but when you watch the live action one, the like the the song Gaston, mm-hmm. which is about Gaston, sung by LeFou and Gaston, mm-hmm. gayishly, <laughs> is so much more fun in the live action one. It's like. It's like Disney's answer to Master of the House, I think. I agree. Yeah, it's a really good scene. It's a lot of fun. Um, All the actors are clearly having a lot of fun in the Mm -hmm. scene. I think this is also, like, another point where it's, like, the limits of the animation style they were using in the cartoon Mm -hmm. one. Because you mentioned that the background characters don't express anything. The scene's really bare. You've got, like, two tables Mm -hmm. and a bar and the walls. Whereas with the live action, okay... In some songs, they don't react to things, but they do in Gaston. Gaston They're into it is how they love that man. Gaston is how all the songs should have looked in the live action one because if okay, if you watch the live action one, I think it's especially noticeable in Bonjour and the song Bell right at the beginning. None of the background characters emote at all, yeah. and it's fucking weird. And some of the things they do are just <laughs> stupid. You know the bit where it's like, I need six eggs. That's too expensive. Okay, in the cartoon, the character says, I need six eggs. And then I think the the scene, like, we, we don't see the rest of the interaction. So we assume that they've been, like, given the price of the eggs. And they're like, that's too expensive. In this, in the live action one, um, a woman says, I need six eggs. 
And then a guy approaches her with eggs. And then she says, that's too expensive. Yeah. She didn't see the price. There's no price. Do you just know that this guy happens to sell expensive eggs and you don't want him? He's the organic egg farmer. Um, how expensive are eggs? I need to know this. Because Gaston eats a lot of eggs. (laughs) If six eggs is too expensive for this peasant. What kind when of... he was a lad, he ate four, four dozen, dozen eggs, eggs every morning, morning to help, help him get large. Every morning, four dozen eggs. Now, now that, that he's I'm grown, grown, I ate five, five dozen, dozen eggs. eggs. So, so I'm roughly the size of a barge. Do you know how many eggs that is? <laughs> I'm going to calculate that right now. Every morning... I'm going to try, let, no, let's, let's think about this. Five dozen eggs is 60 eggs. Yep. Hang on a second. I'm going to try and, could you search the average cost of an egg? <laughs> yeah. How old is Gaston? Let's say he started this whole four dozen egg things between the ages of four and 12. So the average cost. So 1.23 pounds is a dozen eggs. Every year, Gaston, as an adult man, eats 21,900 eggs. <laughs> no, hang on, that's not correct. I'm going to do that again. So he has 60 eggs. Every day. Every day. And every year... Yeah, that's right. Every year, Gaston has 21,900 eggs. Mm. Let's say he's been doing that for 18 years to account for some of the... When he was younger, he had fewer eggs, but still a lot. And I'm not too sure when he started, and I'm not too sure how old he is. Let's just say... Okay, he's had 394,200 eggs in his lifetime. Just in the morning. I don't know what kind of eggs he's eating in the <laughs> afternoon or in the evening. Let's just say he stops eating eggs in the morning. Every morning to help him get large. <laughs> 3, 394,200 eggs in his lifetime. So he has spent 40,000 pounds. 40,405 pounds and 50 pence. That's too expensive. <laughs> I need 21,000 eggs. <laughs> it's expensive. <laughs> expensive. <laughs> How many chickens does Gaston have to keep unless he's buying them? Does Gaston's family own an egg farm? <laughs> Gaston's money is all in hens. Is he from a rich egg family? <laughs> Egg boy, and he's roughly the size of a barge. No <laughs> one's slick as Gaston. No one's quick as Gaston. <laughs> My mum always told me to like watch out with the eggs because they have high cholesterol. <laughs> For a while, I was really into eating scrambled eggs, but all I, the maximum amount of eggs I'd eat in a week is like, let's say I made scrambled eggs three times a week. That's nine eggs. Mm-hmm. And let's say on one day I ate a, some cake 
and I ate the equivalent of one egg. That's mm-hmm. ten eggs. Mm-hmm. Let's say I ate some sort of casserole that someone had put an egg in. I don't know. Let's say I've had ten eggs. They'll be pushing it for me. Yeah. You know I'm sometimes averse to eggs and where they shouldn't be. Yeah. Or eggs. Just too many eggs. I usually have a poached egg at breakfast, and if I don't, I'll have one at, uh, like, a scrambled eggs at lunch. Yes. But I still don't think I, I'd go over ten eggs a and, week. And I would say you're a big egg eater. I am, You're yeah. a fan of eggs, more than me. I like eggs, fine. I'm a moderate egg fan. You're a big egg fan. Ten to twelve eggs a week, maximum. And that's if I'm baking. When I was a lad, I ate one dozen eggs every week at a push. <laughs> Probably less. And now that I'm grown, I eat eight eggs a week. If I eat more, then I'll feel quite sick. for egg discourse <laughs> it was always bubbling up and now you have it in the animated one he swallows the eggs whole shells and all <laughs> yeah he juggles them and they just go down his throat while he's singing the vibrato he's saying large and it's like large plop 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 <laughs> oh my god it's because his body is so good at digesting things they can just eat the shell they yeah. can just dissolve the shell it just dissolves on the way down his throat yeah <laughs> His intestines are just like a conveyor belt of uncracked eggs. <laughs> Gaston is the best character in Beauty and the Beast. Yeah. I think, because for all I said about the extras, they're in it in the song Gaston in the live action one. Everyone is jamming. Mm-hmm. He brings a community together. <laughs> With, a, with his feats of egg eating. <laughs> and spitting. And okay, if someone had not listened to... If someone was listening to this who had not watched the movie, yeah. then all they're going to take from this is that Gaston's main characteristic is that he eats a shit ton of eggs. Oh yeah, Gaston is also the villain. <laughs> Nominally. <laughs> um, the hero in our hearts. Um, my very favorite line of the song Gaston is I use antlers in all of my decorating. <laughs> <laughs> and I don't know why it's my favorite, but it's the best one. <laughs> that is a good line. For me it has to be the egg one, but that is a good line. <laughs> As a specimen, yes, I'm intimidated. Who says that about themselves? Actually, no, I take that back. People on Tinder are that way. Uh, I've got... I've got to give it to Josh Gad. He did a great job. Yeah. Um, because... Let's be clear. Josh Gad is playing Olaf as LeFou. (laughs) (laughs) He's not playing Gaston. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Josh Gad is playing LeFou. LeFou, who's Gaston's sidekick, um... French for the fool, the fool. Yeah, is the one who actually sings most of the song about Gaston, and I think he he was delightful. Yeah, he was pretty good. 
Except time guy. for the bit where they slightly overexplained a joke that I didn't enjoy. Mm-hmm. There's a, a joke in the original song in the animated version where um, LeFou is, is spelling out Gaston's name and you, you realize he realizes halfway through he doesn't know how to spell his name. But he in the... also doesn't know if it's his first name or surname. <laughs> no one knows. It's a secret. And um, in the in the live action one, Josh Gad like holds a note and sings I don't know how to spell his name because I'm illiterate or something like yes. that. And I was like, no, that's don't over explain the joke, you're ruining it. Um <laughs> Don't ruin the joke that he doesn't know how to spell Gaston. <laughs> Um, Gaston is... Where are we in the plot? Oh, yes, Maurice comes back. He's... Because... Oh, yeah, by the way... (laughs) (laughs) We're really relying on people knowing the plot of these movies. (laughs) Bella has uh, traded places with Maurice, so he's no longer imprisoned and she is. Maurice has been let free. I did say that. Okay, good. Just <laughs> Maurice returns to the village and comes into the pub and he's like, listen, listen to this shit. There's a beast and he has Belle. And everyone's like, Maurice, you crazy old twat. <laughs> <laughs> You're ruining the fun movie. Just listening to this. Abby, Maurice, sit down. Have you heard about how many eggs he eats? <laughs> Maurice is like, this is not the time. I'll listen to the egg story later. You know I'm into the eggs. <laughs> That's the only entertainment we have in this village. Just the egg frolics. But listen. <laughs> Belle's been captured and everyone's like, crazy old Maurice. And Gaston in the live action one is like, ah, no, 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 my friends. No, no, no. Maurice might have a point. And I want to save Belle because I want to get into her panties. And uh, yes, Maurice shows away. We're going to save, gonna save Belle from this beast. And then they go off. And then, uh, but in the cartoon version, Gaston's like, Gaston immediately tries to get Maurice locked up in the cartoon version. Into uh, an asylum. Yeah, it's a little bit more circuitous in the live action version, but eventually we arrive at the same spot. So yes. Gaston looks He's playing along for a while until Maurice says, no, you're not going to marry Belle, that's gross. And then Gaston leaves him out in the woods to die. Maurice manages to make his way back to town. Is like, Gaston left me to die. And then Gaston's like, what? He's crazy. Let's get him locked up. And basically we arrive at the same spot Mm -hmm. with ten extra minutes of runtime. At that point, Belle and the Beast have had their beautiful ballroom scene. Because they're now in love almost, kind of. And... The beast says, Belle, are you happy here? And she's like, well, can someone who's, a, who's a, a, a captive ever be truly happy? I miss my puppy. And he's like, you know what? I can't for some reason let you go and find your father. Uh, but you can look into this magic mirror I have that will show you your father. And she's like, sick. So she Skypes her, her dad. <laughs> <laughs> she goes on Zoom and Zooms her dad. Which they've developed in these times because it's a time of plague. Yeah. So everyone's working from home. Yeah. So her dad definitely has a Zoom account. Yeah. And he loves Zoom more than Skype, more yeah. than Microsoft Teams. Yeah, because he's he he's middle aged. Yeah, he thinks Zoom is the he's it's like Skype never heard of her. <laughs> Take me to the Zoom mirror, whatever. So she 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 gets a mirror to show her. Her father, and lo and behold, her dad is being locked up and taken away to an asylum. 
And she's like, I need to go and save my papa. And the Beast is like, oh, okay. And she leaves and tries to save her father, ends up also getting locked up, and then Gaston. So Belle brings the mirror with her back to find her father and shows everyone in the village, look, there is a beast, my father isn't crazy. And they lock Belle up anyway, and then are like, well, I guess we better kill the beast. And they sing the second best song in the musical, the mob song. Um, okay, kill the beast. It's just a bop. I, yeah. know, I know it's morally reprehensible, but it's a bop. And they go to the castle to kill him. Now, I want to just say, at the point where the beast lets Belle go, that's when the curse should be lifted. Because he loves her enough to let her go. Yeah. And yet. And yet it's The stupid witch, the curse, because the furniture people are like, whoa, hang on, wait, why are we, why is the curse not lifted? And then they're like, ah, yes, it's because he needs to be loved in return. That's a bad contract point. Like, it should just be enough for the vel- for, for the beast to feel love. Isn't it more <coughs> selfless to love someone who doesn't necessarily love you back? Mm-hmm. To be able to love her enough to not try to keep her for yourself? It's at this point in the live-action one where they add another one of their pointless songs. They've written original songs to be oh, the yeah. Oscar nomination, which they didn't get. They're all very forgettable. And he sings this power ballad about, um, she, she won't leave me even though I've let her run away. I'm now going to be a beast. I'm sad. Something, something, it's snowing. Yeah, so I'm he in goes into an emo state and he's like, let the villagers come. I don't give a shit anymore. But beast, you should, because it's not just you, it's the furniture servants as well. So the furniture servants fight the villagers. Eventually Belle gets away. From, they're like locked up in a carriage and they get out. She shows up at the castle to save the beast from Gaston, who's broken away from the fight. The villagers kind of skedaddle pretty quickly because of the live furniture. That frightens them. Mm-hmm. And they leave. It's mostly just Gaston and Belle and the beast at the end. Yes. And then... No one kills Gaston. He just does a classic Disney villain thing. Of falling off a high place. Slipping. <laughs> Disney, and happening to die. Disney villains need better treads on their shoes. He froloed. He, <laughs> the witch from Snow Whited. Yeah. Yeah. Because he, in the animated version, he stabs the beast in the live action when he shoots him. Mm-hmm. And then he just, like, falls off the tower. <laughs> He's like, whoa. It's because his shoes are too slippery because he was eating some eggs on his way <laughs> on his way to the castle for energy. Yeah. And the egg slime, the yolk, got onto the bottom of his shoes. Yeah. And everything he stepped on was really slippery <laughs> after that. Everything in moderation, even eggs. <laughs> what would five dozen eggs look like if you put that into a protein shake? Or just drank them? You'd be so constipated. <laughs> I mean, I think we have a lot of eggs. We have more eggs in our flat than the average two-person flat. Yeah. We've never had five dozen eggs. (laughs) No, we've never. I'm sorry, listeners, that we keep coming back to this. (laughs) We did have... Think about it. Think about it. We had three dozen eggs at one point, and we were like, this is an excessive amount of eggs. Yeah. (laughs) And then we baked some cakes and, and... depleted our egg stock. Now I'm roughly the size of the <laughs> 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 Um 
Um, yeah, Gaston just happens to die. And, and then that's... There's that, in the live action one, there's now a protracted sequence where it looks like everyone is turning into furniture permanently, but then, oh no, we're fine because the beast is alive and we're all turning back into humans, including the beast, and everything's fine. Yeah, it's like Shrek, but shit. And I would, okay, at the end of the live action one, there's a big ball at the prince's place to parallel with the ball at the beginning, and there's a moment that unsettles me. <laughs> unsettles and upsets and, and alarms me. And there, Belle and the Beast are dancing, and I don't know what he says to prompt this, but then she says, have you ever thought about growing a beard? And then he makes a noise that is like the growl of a beast. He emits a sound. Um, with a very, like... It's so loud. It's so loud, reverb, and it's like a snarl that doesn't sound like a human noise, and then he, like, <laughs> gives her sort of, like, a come-hither look, and it's very odd. <laughs> and I get that it's supposed to be, like, flirty and fun, but it belongs in a different version of this story that's not for children. <laughs> uh, okay, what also bothered me at the end of the live-action one... Because in the in the cartoon version, it just kind of stops. Like, he becomes a human, and then they're in a ballroom scene. Everyone stood to the side, and mm. Belle and the Beast, in their original ballroom costumes, are waltzing. And that's it. Taylor's mm. old as time. Yeah, blah, 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 <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> I don't care for the song. A classic ballad. <laughs> you know that everyone's singing along. <laughs> it's sung by the crazy frog. Bring, 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 Um, what was I saying? Something bothered you about the scene at the end. Yeah, okay. The live action one. This is just the general end. So the curse is lifted. Hagatha has forgiven everyone. Don't tell her I call for that. And the, the, the memories of the people in the town are restored. So, as I mentioned before, there are people who work as servants in the castle who are married to people in the town. So, like, Cogsworth has a wife who is one of the really annoying villagers, who's, like, the most Brexity one of all. <laughs> and, um, Mrs. Potts re-meets Mr. Potts. Okay, but the servants haven't aged. But the people in the town have, and it's been a fairly long time. This is messed up. Mm-hmm. They're suddenly remembering they have family. Mr. Potts has has maybe moved on. Maybe he remarried. Yeah, because he didn't know he had a wife because they were magically made to forget them. Yeah, and now also he has a son who's the same age as he was when he got transformed into a cup. <laughs> yeah, Chip hasn't aged in like nine years. <laughs> <laughs> and everyone's okay with this, but there's got to be implications. Long-running implications. Yeah. And mainly, Cogsworth and his wife don't seem to get along. Yeah. And Cogsworth is Lumiere's boyfriend. This is going to be awkward. Yeah. It's going to be really awkward. Cogsworth found 
emotional fulfillment with his boyfriend Lumiere in the castle. Yeah. Disney's first exclusively gay moment. <laughs> no, it's not exclusively gay, is it? <laughs> yeah, I guess Lumiere has a girlfriend who's a feather duster. But it's kind of messed up. This witch has a lot to answer for, which is why I was saying when we were watching it that I think a better conclusion to this plot would be give Belle some more motivation. Like, Belle learns about the witch's curse really early on in the movie. Mm-hmm. What Belle could be doing is, is saying, you know what, this witch is bad news. I'm going to take her down. Mm-hmm. I'm going to find the witch, try and reason with her, and if not, take matters into my own two hands. Mm-hmm. Lodging her with this book. Yeah. And then you could have, like, the final confrontation be Gaston versus the Beast and Belle in pursuit of the witch. That would be a great ending. And then you could maybe in cha- <laughs> instead of having Belle wanting adventure in the Great Wide Summer, maybe she could really want justice. Yeah. Maybe something could have happened to her mother that was unfair. Yeah. And she's like, I really want to become a, a lawyer. <laughs> you know, I, I want to, you know, I seek justice. Mm-hmm. Not in an angry way. Just like she she's she cares about fairness. Yeah, and what the witch did is deeply unfair. To the community, awful. Yeah. That witch has so much to answer for. Mm-hmm. On a less philosophical level, the ending bothered me because they're all dancing at the ball and everyone is wearing white except the prince. But including Belle. Mm-hmm. Belle is also wearing white. So she doesn't stand out from the crowd at all. It's very hard to pick her out. I think the aesthetics of this movie need a lot of work. And I'm not an expert, but I'm annoyed. (laughs) I'm just an enthusiast. That's a tagline for our (laughs) podcast. I'm not an expert, but I'm annoyed. (laughs) Yeah. I I think I still had a good time with both the movies, but but I don't think... They fix the things they needed to fix in the live-action version. Yeah. They've also made it kind of long. Yeah. And I think some of those additions are good, but some of them, like the book, are stupid. Yeah, the book thing is stupid. The bit where Gaston is initially going along with Maurice and then he isn't is useless. Like, it doesn't get you anywhere different with his character. Um... All the new songs are useless and shouldn't be in there. Mm -hmm. And I really think they could have done some work with giving Belle stuff to do. Yep. Like, it just felt like they were fixing things that weren't broken, but weren't fixing the broken things. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. It's <laughs> like having a broken down car and not fixing the engine, but we've painted, painted flames on the side. I, this is, seems to be the thing with all of the Disney live actions. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, I'm not going to go into specifics, but I think it was deeply a problem they did with Cinderella, where they, I personally think they dug the hole further and made it worse. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think, especially with the princess movies, and especially with the older princess movies, they need to be careful. And it's so easy to improve a princess movie, right? Yeah, it is. And like Beauty and the Beast is one that's always been kind of... On thin ice. <laughs> I mean, I did... I did part of my master's thesis on The Shape of Water, which is a Beauty and the Beast story. Mm-hmm. Um, like, it's that tale type, if you're, like, a fairy tale scholar. Which I'm not, but, you know. 
It's a Beauty and the Beast story. Uh, and there's lots and lots of them that I did research on, and all of them have, like, vague problem spots in it that make it, sometimes make it very difficult to really buy into any of the romance going on. Mm -hmm. um, and I think The Shape of Water did a great job ironing out those problem spots um, without, like, taking any of the teeth out of the story. But Beauty and the Beast somehow... The, the Disney version somehow takes the teeth out of the story, but fails to iron out the problem spots. And it's very strange. Yeah. But it's, like, none of the ideas about, like, self-discovery or anything remain in the story. But also, we've still got the kidnapping turned to romance plot. Like, how <laughs> do you manage that? Yeah. Yeah. It's like, they fixed nothing. And they, they kept so much stuff the exact same. And that's cowardly. Yeah. It's cowardly, Disney. Di Walt Disney, you come to my office immediately. <laughs> I have some words for you. I'm disappointed. Um, although, again, I don't think it... Okay, well, here we go. I'm going to have to ask this twice because there's two. Yeah. Cartoon Beauty and the Beast, Curse, Blast, or Blessed? I think it's Blurst. I don't think it can be fully blessed um, because of some of the problem spots we mentioned, but I like I enjoyed it. I don't yeah. think it's deeply evil. Yeah, me too. It's fine. It was never my favorite, I, but I don't think it's boring. Um, I think it's the plot is stupid, and the animation hurts my eyes. But this the songs are nice, <laughs> and it's very imaginative. And it raises some interesting questions about eggs. <laughs> questions that are then followed through, but not resolved. They're, fo they're, they're raised again, but not resolved. Yeah. In the live-action version. Do you think the live-action Beauty and the Beast is cursed, blessed, or blessed? See, I'm conflicted, because if it was just a movie that existed in isolation, it's blurst. Like, it's fine. Mm -hmm. I think it's evil that the live-action versions exist, and I think that's cursed. But I'm going to give it a Blurst, but it's on thin ice. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to give it a Blurst, and it's on less thin ice than the than the cartoon one. Like, I I still don't think it's great, but I prefer, I actually do prefer it to the cartoon. Mm -hmm. Because I can buy into the romance more. I think the songs that do exist, if the animation... in for example, Be Our Guest looks stupid. Mm -hmm. But, like, everything's performed very well, especially mm -hmm. Gaston. And I don't know. I just feel less like I've eaten trash after watching it than I do the cartoon version. But it is largely pointless. Mm -hmm. And for that reason, I cannot give it a blessed. Yeah. If it was a step... If the cartoon had never been made mm -hmm. and the live-action version came out and it wasn't auto-tuned... And that was the first I'd seen of the concept. I think I'd be quite into it. Yeah. Yeah, I'd agree with you there. Some of the set design is really nice. I think the set... I'd like the set design better if they did better stuff with the characters. Mm -hmm. The animated characters, I mean. Um, the costuming's nice. Yeah. And Gaston, which is the best song, is better in the live-action one. The soundtrack is enhanced. Mm. It's done by the same people who did the mm -hmm. cartoon soundtrack, mm -hmm. but is nicer. It is nice. Um, and you know I'm a sucker for that soundtrack. I do. And 
but yeah, I just feel, every time Disney comes out with one of these new live actions, I feel weary. And I feel weary about Mulan, which is coming out, I think, after the pandemic. It's mm-hmm. been delayed, right? Because even though I feel like they've gone for a different take mm-hmm. to their cartoon, I still know what they're trying to do. Mm-hmm. And I loved cartoon Mulan yeah. more than any other Disney movie that I've seen. That's my favourite one. Mm-hmm. So... And this this is just happening repeatedly. Everyone's getting their favourite cartoon redone. Yeah. And it's, like, a bit soulless. Yeah. Yeah, and I think there is a bit of soullessness in live-action Beauty and the Beast, and I think it's very visible in the opening songs when all of the extras are stone-faced. Mm-hmm. And it really rubs me the wrong way, which is why this one is on, on thin ice as to, like, nearly cursed. Mm. But because some of them are clearly putting everything into it, like everyone in the Gaston scene and the actors playing Gaston and LeFou were, like, really going for it. I respect that, but there was some some very, like, by-the-numbers soullessness to it Yeah, that I did not enjoy. Mm-hmm. Like, some bits would happen and you could, like, hear the gears turning. Like, mm-hmm. let's give the Beast a backstory montage. Yeah. Like, no. <laughs> I, all I care about with the Beast was that he was a twat when he was a prince. Yeah. Like, an adult prince. I don't need to know the rest. Mm-hmm. That doesn't matter. I also want to see the witch dead. Yeah. Kill the witch. Without sounding like an angry mob person, kill the witch. <laughs> the witch doesn't care about the servants in the castle, and I feel that that's a fatal flaw. Exactly. It's like if you had a modern day witch, and she was like... I hate Jeff Bezos, so I'm going to turn him into a beast and turn everyone who works at Amazon into an item from Amazon. No. (laughs) Don't do that. Amazon is a massive employer. Mm -hmm. It's not people's fault they work at Amazon. Mm -hmm. Let's turn random warehouse staff and delivery people into items. That's not fair. Yeah. And wipe the memories of their families. Yeah, witch. exactly. Just get Bezos. Yeah. Just, witch, use your power to encourage the local townspeople to shop independently instead. Mm-hmm. Be productive. <laughs> don't, don't... Don't, the, don't curse the warehouse people. Is there ever, if anyone is listening, and you work at Amazon, I don't want you to turn into an item. I don't even want you to turn into a corpse. Only when the time is right, you know? You're really going to need to contextualize that for people. I'm not going to. Who have not listened to our Emperor's New Grimm episode. It doesn't need contextualizing. I don't want them to turn into anything apart from the cor- a corpse when their time comes. I don't want you to be a corpse yet. <laughs> Shannon, but the time will come. I'm speaking plainly. <laughs> What do you want me to say? Immortality is real. Come on. (laughs) (laughs) Folks, we'll be back next week. We will. Um, If neither of us has been turned into a potted plant by a witch. And uh, even if one... Well, if one of us gets turned into an item, it means the other one of us has got turned into a beast. The beast has opposable thumbs. The beast can work the podcasting software. Yeah. Any objects can speak. Yeah. So, 
So we'll be back. Who's to say it hasn't happened already? <laughs> which one is the beast? And which one is the the, the potted plant? I'll never tell. S- sound off in the comments. <laughs> um, yeah, feel free to listen to our other episodes. We have many, uh, each more disturbing than the last. <laughs> Google us. Subscribe to us. Like us. Rate us. Rate us highly. Lest you be turned into an item or a corpse or a beast. <laughs> By me, a witch. <laughs> Um, if you are not vegan, please enjoy the eggs that you will eat this week. If you're vegan, then don't worry about it. You're saving money, honestly. (laughs) Do you have any complaining comments? I don't think I'm going to eat eggs for a while. (laughs) 